Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. Phyllis the Dog and I today are joined by longtime tour stopper and the only other person in the house who can make a hat look good. Ah, welcome to the show, Maggie Ball. How you doing? Not too bad. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for joining the podcast today. Thanks for having me. I feel like I haven't seen you, even though I've known you for years, I feel like I haven't seen you in years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, that, that brings up perfectly the first question yeah how did we meet oh shoot okay so i think you slid into my dms uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah that sounds about right because i used to slide into everyone's dms asking them to play tour stop and now i still do that honestly that's the best form of communication like i would much rather be in a like a dm group chat than a group chat on my cell phone and just have it like blowing me up constantly so honestly i would rather that (laughs) Yeah, I don't like getting added to the text threads where people are like, don't respond to this. And I'm like, invariably, someone is going to. I was like, what was the point of that? (laughs) Yeah, here, if it's too full, sip it down. (laughs) Sorry. Good. But yeah, invariably, someone's going to add you to a group text message. And that's why I like the groups on Instagram because you can remove yourself. Well, also, you can kind of see who everyone is. Their names are already there. It's not just like random numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can kind of like just check out everyone who you're performing with, you know? So I think it's way better. And a lot of times, like, I don't know how you feel about it, but I don't like when strangers have my phone number. No. (laughs) Because every now and then out of like someone just wanting to be kind, like, oh, here's Aaron's phone number. You can call him. He'll book you to play a show. And I'm like... Don't should ask me first. Yeah, always, always ask first because like not that my phone number is like super private (laughs) information. Like I'm not famous. Yeah, but it's like that form of privacy where it's just like I'd rather have my friends phone numbers and things like that. Um, So for sure. I mean, and if you become friends with somebody at the Nashville tour stop uh, round, you just ask them for your number. Be like, hey, man, it would be really, really awesome to write rather than (laughs) someone randomly texting you. Hey, man, it was really good seeing you at the Nashville tour stop. Would love to write like in your text with no (laughs) contact info. And you're like, who are you? Yeah. What happened (laughs) once at a number who this (laughs) (laughs) at a show one time I had left my cell phone out on a table where I was sitting and I went and emceed the event and uh, this dude came up called himself from my phone and then texted me he's like oh hey I just I got your number while you were up on the stage I called myself from your phone and I was like that is not okay I was like all right here's the deal bud not cool one not did you tell him that two you have one shot to use that number correctly and if you use it incorrectly, I will block you. Oh, my God. And you know God. what the first thing he did was? What? Sent me a Google Drive link to his new album, hoping oh I would listen God. to it. It's like, wrong. Yeah, no. Block. I mean, I'm always about, like, shooting your shot. You know what I mean? Like, texting people out of the blue. I mean, I have so many amazing stories about who I've just emailed and or texted completely out of the blue. Just, like, they had no idea who I was. And I just wanted to make an introduction. Yeah. You know, I think it's just, like, putting yourself out there. And I think it's just, like, the new form of putting yourself mm-hmm. out there. Because, like, a lot of people would mail resumes or like mail demos i think the next thing is right. is uh dms emails and um text messages mm-hmm. you know i mean i've also put my foot in my mouth multiple times because <laughs> that you know what this just happens you know like a lot of people like i think it's finding the healthy balance too of like some people will just text you over and over and over and over again which sometimes i really respect because i'm just like i got distracted so thank mm-hmm. you so much for texting me back I think texts having the feature to 
make it like market unread is the best thing that has ever oh, happened. Oh, for sure. I'm I've been waiting for um Apple to get on board with the Instagram times. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's why I used Instagram ex- almost exclusively for so long is because it's you like the unread okay, I don't have time to too. respond to this right now, mm-hmm. but I will and I can go back, but if exactly. I click on that message on my text for so Never, long is just yeah. gone with the wind. Yeah, you're in the ethers. Yeah, so have you heard the story? I think it's Shane Prophet went up to uh, Chris Jansen at yeah, uh, I some restaurant. Yeah, I opened for Shane at Third Talk Mainsley. about shooting your shot. And I heard that story, like, yeah. That's, that's, again... That's how you got signed. I'm like... Pfft. Yeah, like, it's proof that, okay, sometimes, in theory, like, sliding into someone's DM yeah. might work. Yeah. Because how often can you say, oh, I just walked up to this successful musician, <laughs> and then they're spouse is a publisher and they're like oh let's sign you that happens that's 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 the one i think that's one time honestly i feel like it all just happens one time and <laughs> yeah. then for everyone else who tries it it just doesn't work you got to find that other one thing <laughs> yeah everyone has their one thing like i think it was like early on priscilla block got huge on tiktok yeah. before tiktok was like the thing for yeah. musicians to do now and, and she got signed and then i feel like it was yeah. only like one or two more people and then other than that it's like okay well now everyone's trying to do it so now yeah, we gotta find our own now thing. there's a bajillion people who are yeah. trying to recreate that lightning i'm one in of a those uh, guilty re- i'm one of those guilty people trying to make it on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> well we didn't even really mention you are a songwriter artist guitar player here in town all the pain um, all the things <laughs> before we get too far into it i want to learn about like your background in music where did you get started would you Dude, would it get into music? Yeah, the whole spiel. So, <laughs> yeah, give me the spiel. The spiel. So, I'm originally from South Florida. Mm-hmm. I started playing violin when I was so flow. So flow. Yeah, I was. I started playing violin when I was six years old. Okay. So I was classically trained in classical violin. Really? So I was in and out of orchestras, um, orchestra camps, orchestra um, clubs. Like I really wanted to be in classical music. Um, when I was in middle school, I actually auditioned to get into a middle school classical music of the arts. So cool. I went to school for violin. That's cool. Yeah, it was really awesome. Um, and then when I was 11 years old, I think that was like seventh grade at the beginning of the year, um, the orchestra that I was in, we actually got to play at Carnegie Hall. Whoa. Yeah. And I tore. That's dope. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so me and the orchestra, we won a competition or something. And so they flew us all out. And so I got to perform there. So you started um, really high. You're just like. Yeah. I was like, Juilliard, now what? <laughs> benchmark for the career. <laughs> um, and I, we, we liked, uh, yeah, Carnegie Hall. And then we toured Juilliard. And I was like, mm-hmm. I really want, this is what I want to do, which is so crazy to where I'm at now. Um, I actually started getting bullied and harassed in, in middle school and almost took my own life. Whoa. And my dad is from West Texas, so country music's always been in my family. Um, so I actually started writing music and, and writing poetry and, and kind of experimenting on GarageBand right when it came out. Nice. Um, and that's kind of how I escaped from what I was going through. I honestly didn't know that what I was doing was being called a songwriter <laughs> or an artist. You know, It was just honestly just a form of like getting my words out when I couldn't mm-hmm. speak them. Um, and then it kind of slowly turned into me just... F- figuring out country music i figured out who charlie daniels was i fiddled out i fiddle i figured out what a fiddle was i figured I <laughs> you fiddled, fiddled out what a figure was I fiddled out what a fiddle, fiddle was. um there's yeah, the southern well, accent just slipping out just that a little is bit a tongue twister um <laughs> figured out what a fiddle was and then um i actually went to a i'm going way more in depth than like normal uh i actually figured out what a fiddle was and then i got into a berkeley college of music jazz improvisation course in eighth grade 
Um, and then about that time, I think I was coming to Nashville. I think mm -hmm. around 13 years old, I was coming to Nashville. I was writing. I was in the studio with big musicians. Um, started touring around South Florida at some festivals and songwriter rounds. And it kind of just slowly turned into me being um, an artist and and wanting to do this for real. <laughs> did you do the back and forth between Southern Florida and Nashville? Or I did, did. You... yeah. When I was 13 years old, I would come every single summer and I would record every music summer. Wow. every single summer. Yeah, my parents have and still are my biggest supporters. Um, they were the ones that drove me around to my violin, violin lessons to the, okay. all the festivals. And I think they like that way more because instead of just listening to like Beethoven over and over again, they got to like drink backstage at all the country <laughs> music festivals. That's a way more accurate yeah, and I was of like underage. what music's like. <laughs> yeah, I was underage. So they got all the artist beer. I literally specifically remember I got booked on this one cruise when I was like 17 years old. It was the country music cruise with uh, uh, Neil McCoy. Okay. And I specifically remember my dad booking me. And um, the one question was, hey, what do you want in like your dressing room or like your artist beer? And he was like, I want this nice ass bottle of bourbon. <laughs> and I remember I was underage. So he was just having the time of his life. That's awesome. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure they're real happy with the way I decided to switch. And you really just dove down. <laughs> head first into the industry yeah. i feel like i dipped my toe in the water when i was like 17 and i was like that's neat <laughs> let's go back to doing musical theater <laughs> well that's still cool honestly i can never do musical theater and i was bad at that too <laughs> well, doesn't just be, well you did it like i it's so funny like when I was younger, I had stage fright. Like, and I don't really? think a lot of people know that about me. Yeah. I never to guess it now. Yeah, isn't that crazy? And I still do, like, to a certain extent. Like, when I was younger, I would get, like, all these school awards, and I would never go up on stage and, like, retrieve them because I had stage fright. Yeah. And that turned into me, like, I can perform in front of thousands of people, no problem. But the second you ask me to sing a song with one person in the room, I get nervous. Your whole stomach is, like, all of a sudden in your throat, and you're like, yeah. I, I, I don't know how to do this anymore. I'm just like, they're looking <laughs> at me, like, what are they thinking? <laughs> yeah, like, I've had so many experiences kind of like that because i used to hate public speaking i can't do it i literally cannot public speak i'm just so a knucklehead <laughs> weird that that's like all i do now yeah i'm seeing shows in front of people <clears throat> and if i could go back and talk to like 15 year old aaron and be like hey bud so get this <laughs> I know you're in an alt rock band right now and you think that you're going to be playing. <laughs> Check stadiums. out what you're going to do soon. <laughs> Check out what you actually do. You write country music in Nashville yeah. and you give like public speeches in no front way. of people every night. <laughs> it's so funny because I'll have people come up to me after the show and just be like, oh, my God, you're so entertaining. You look so comfortable up there. And I think I'm just like. Well, I was making fun of myself the whole time and you just laughed. So laughing with me or at me, I'm glad you had a good time. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're like, I don't care as long as you remember having fun. <laughs> yeah. You remember having fun? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Done. Well, I've had that same feeling with my... Have you ever seen me play my funny music before? My I think goofy so. songs? Yeah. yeah. I think you were in a round with me one time when someone canceled. Yeah, and that just sounds right. There. Because... I, he I, who shall not be named. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> I fell into doing the funny music by accident because yeah. I got kicked out of a band that I was uh, a utility player for. Nice. And I was actually on stage with the band at a festival in Missouri. And the singer cussed out her mom over the microphone in front of the audience. And I tried breaking the tension and I was like, hey, that was a funny joke, but you should be nice to your mom. And this girl just goes, oh, fuck you. Just like, get off the stage. And I was like, okay. So I unplugged my banjo oh and I just got right off stage. God. And I was like, okay. So turns out this might not be a career yeah. path I want to go after forever. <laughs> 
Oh but my gosh. the uh, the performing aspect of it, th- when did that start feeling more natural? Was there a, a like a watershed moment as a kid when it started just being second nature? I would have to say like right when I first started songwriting, I would say like 13, 14, I actually mm-hmm. went to a North Carolina festival okay. um, where I ran into this girl. Called, her name was Caroline Cole. Um, she's I know here. Caroline Cole. Yeah. So what's crazy was I met her when I was really young and she told me to play anywhere and everywhere I can because I never know who's watching. Cool. And I swear to God, we're friends now, but I was like, I swear to God, I was obsessed with this girl. Like she was <laughs> my Taylor Swift. Like I would go to her shows and like bring signs, like her t shirts. Like she was a person I had on my wall. Like that's because awesome. that's like who I saw her. She like, it was her 16th birthday. She just got signed to Sony, was like going on tour with Reba. And mm-hmm. anytime I ever had interviews for my entire life, I've always said this girl's name, Caroline, because she like really, that was the pivotal moment for me. That's cool. Yeah. And I remember I moved to Nashville when I was 18 years old, but I had a party right before I moved for my birthday. I remember inviting Caroline and there were the, place was packed like all these girls like all these friends I wanted to like kind of do like a networking thing when I moved here to have friends but I remember I texted Caroline and she texted me back she's like I'm in the parking lot and I like <laughs> went to the bathroom and bawled my eyes out because I and I was so nervous I was like this girl who's the reason I started singing is like at my you're party talking to me yeah I was like you're at my party like what I Are was freaking friends? out it's hilarious because we're friends we've like grabbed drinks and stuff now but it's so funny because like you really never know like who that person mm-hmm. is for you and um I think it's important to pe- for people to know that like I didn't grow up singing Shania Twain in my in my uh, hairbrush wow. I literally grew up in a classical music orchestra like playing Bach <laughs> like and I think people always ask me because I still to this day like am, am figuring out and, and learning about country music and the background mm-hmm. and, and artists um, and people always ask me like well then who did you grow up on I was like Zach Brown I was like chicken <laughs> fried came out the year that I just discovered country music so yeah and you you really <laughs> Here, hold on. We'll pause. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. No worries. I just Don't kicked worry. it. It's not the first time that coffee has been spilled. We were on a roll. Did you spill very much or just a little bit? Honestly, it's not even there anymore. No sweat. It's not there. <clears throat> part of it wet and part of it We interrupted this, this uh, conversation. <laughs> Thank you. This broadcast is being interrupted by a coffee spill. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> she probably thinks it's for her. See? <clears throat> yeah, that's what I thought. She wanted. <laughs> um, and we're back. Right. <laughs> back into it. So you've been in Nashville for a mm-hmm. while, but you really rip on the guitar. Oh, my God. Thank you. <laughs> so there is that like pejorative connotation of the country girl guitar player you know the cowboy chords yeah and that's not you at all (laughs) like the videos i saw uh you playing guitar on instagram like years before uh were you were playing guitar solos you were playing like classic rock tunes i'm like okay I want to know who that girl yeah. is. <laughs> that was my finished lick series yeah. that I did on TikTok. So yeah. did you teach yourself to play? It's so funny because like, so with my background in, in strings and violin, I think like I learned all the theory in mm-hmm. violin. So I think it was, and my fingers were already adapted. I think it was really easy to kind of switch over. Right. Um, and so to answer your question, yes, I taught myself how to play guitar. Um, and then YouTube was a very, very big help. YouTube and I like, learned University, that's solos. how I learned. Yeah, literally YouTube University. I need to get a damn shirt that says that. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just like started learning solos and things. Um, but it honestly hasn't been 
that long where I've been comfortable playing my own solos. Cool. I would say within the last year and a half, I've really like been like, okay, like I'm going to dive into my own music now. Cause I, I mean, I can play, um, that's never been an issue. It's more mm -hmm. of just like now this is the first time I'm really experimenting and being like, no, like I'm doing my own stuff. So <clears throat> the, did Lindsay L's playing influence you at all? Because she's one of the only other country artists or country adjacent artists that like rips her own guitar. Yeah, I've always known of her and I'm a huge fan. I wouldn't say that she like influenced me okay. though. I mean, Keith Urban is just a badass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I think he's the biggest one that influenced me. That's cool. Um, but he influenced me not just like electric guitar he influenced me in the way of an entertainer like i love entertaining like gotcha. if you ask me who i am i'm an entertainer like my biggest goal is to get nominated and win entertainer of the year i just love being on stage and that's my dream that's what i want to do um you're, you're doing it <laughs> <laughs> on the road to get there you're doing it so uh when did you put out your first record or your first single how old were you 13. 13 was the first release. It was the first release. I think I, my dad still has like an old record of mine that says mm -hmm. 12. Like that was the, that was the title of it. How what was it called? Original. 12. <laughs> it was called 12? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Called as soon 12. as I asked, you were saying yeah. it. Was like we both went there. Yeah, but 13 <laughs> is when I really put out like my first album like on music platforms. Mm -hmm. And that was called Only Good Things. Were you writing all of your own songs at that point? Or were you co-writing? I want to say yes they were all my own stuff. Mm -hmm. I can't remember exactly when I first started co-writing, maybe 14, 15, okay. because I did put out an album called Catch Me um, with an old label that that was co-written. So maybe okay. I co-wrote beforehand. Is co-writing still a big part of your oh, absolutely. career yeah. now? Yeah, co-writing is, is I co-write everything. Yeah, so that'll bring us to another point, but who are some of the people you co-write with a lot these days? Because I've found my little core group of people who I'm mm -hmm. comfortable, so to speak, yeah. writing with. Do you have a similar core group? So I do. I think that this record has really um, formed my co-group of people. Uh, Tyler Bank and Elena Jones have been just like my core group. They're both unsigned, but fantastic writers, and they have... Five future or... hit songwriters. Oh, absolutely future hit songwriters. They have about five or six cuts on my album wow. yeah and elena jones uh i don't think she plays with but i think she's written with uh walker hayes several times right yeah so she actually her very first co-write or write ever was actually walker hayes she like wow. won a competition <laughs> yeah she won a competition and that's how that happened but then her title i guess Walker loved it so much mm -hmm. that he actually called Kylie Morgan and Kylie Morgan That's cut funny. it and it was on her last record. That's cool. Country anyway. Yeah. So do you write with them on a regular basis then? Um, I would say like, yes, but since the record came out, I haven't really been writing a whole bunch, but this winter, absolutely. We're going to be doing a bunch mm -hmm. of writing retreats, but yeah, they've been like my core group of humans. <laughs> so that brings us right to the new point. You have a new record that came out just, just Ow! a few days ago from when we're recording this at least. Yeah. Tell me about the new record. Tell oh our listeners about the new Maggie Ball. Listeners around the world. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's called Dear Me. Okay. And it's 14 songs. Um, everything that I've released this year, um, starting with a song called I Met You, ha is on it. Um, so I would say it's eight unreleased songs. Um, well, now cool. all 14 released songs. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an album about where I'm at now. Just like uh, life, love, living. Um, family is very important to me. So there's a lot of family songs on there. Um, 
I guess it's more of like a storyteller album, I would say. I mean, there's a lot of upbeat, fun songs, but Mm -hmm. even the upbeat, fun songs tell a story. And it's so funny because we were just talking about how entertaining and bubbly I am a few minutes ago. And I love writing storyteller sit down songs, Mm. too, which is so funny because I'm I'm such a knucklehead. Like my energy (laughs) is like this all the time. But like I to the point of Keith Urban. I think it's so great that he could just sit in an arena and play an acoustic guitar mm-hmm. like with a song that means so it's much. It's crazy that people are w- not just willing to, but want to sit yeah. and just watch that. Yeah. and But they, then he can kick butt like and play rock and roll like two mm-hmm. minutes later. So I think he was and it still is like my biggest inspiration when it comes to that. And I think that was one thing I wanted to accomplish with this album was I wanted people to be able to see the storyteller side of me where I can literally just sit there like John Mayer style, pick a cool guitar riff and then just like play my acoustic guitar mm-hmm. and sing a dope song, but then also be able to like tear it up on like a country honky tonk song and just like have a good time too. Yeah. Finding the people who like John Mayer, he was a big early influence for myself as well, because um, up until I think it was born and raised was the first album of his that I really took a dive into. Yeah. Cause before that I was all, Led Zeppelin, ACDC, yeah, yeah, yeah. Aerosmith, Van Halen. I got the Van Halen records on the wall right there. Like that was my Amazing. like that was my upbringing. But yeah. I remember the first time I heard the Queen of California, like that opening <laughs> guitar lick. I was just like, "That's you can do that on an acoustic guitar. That's yeah. awesome." I actually didn't get into John Mayer until over COVID, which is really funny. Really? Um, yeah, it's interesting. So I think. I, after putting guitar away for a little bit, you know, COVID trying to fall back in love with music. Um, I think I went into this John Mayer thing and I remember him doing a podcast or, or a video thing at might've been at Berkeley. Um, but he was just talking about how much he hated songwriter Mm. rounds. And I was like, relate. And the reason why was because he just said that a lot of people never use their instrument as an instrument. They, they kind of used it as an accompaniment, like just there rather Mm -hmm. than having it be a part of the song. Um, and I just thought that was really, really inspiring. So ever since then that actually formed my craft, I would say a little bit where it's like each individual song has a, significant guitar picking pattern line or like a riff that like if that song was only stripped down it would still be able to be heard on an acoustic or an electric but like it would still that's what the song Mm -hmm. is like if you take away neon like all those parts why georgia you take away everything that john mayer plays on picking patterns and you just play the song the song is like completely different Mm -hmm. and so i think that was one thing that really inspired me where i was like i want the guitar to feel like it is a piece of the song yeah, that's how I've approached my songwriting as well because I don't love just cowboy chord songs. It feels yeah, I don't think I've ever like strummed more. a G chord in like a year and a half. Yeah, <laughs> and every now and then I know you do the same thing where you just jam and then you're just playing and something your your brain's not thinking about it. Your hands are just going. <laughs> yep. And then you hear what your hands did and you're like, oh, that happens. I didn't. That was cool. They have a brain of their own. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I play a lot in like weird tunings too. Like I love weird tunings. Yeah. Are you not just your standard E, 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 whatever it is, E, A, D, G, B, E? No, no. I play in like a baritone tuning a lot. Really? So, yeah. So like my baritone is, it's a 326 baritone Taylor acoustic. Um, and it's actually tuned in like this weird thing. So daddy ad fingering. Mm-hmm. But in B flat. So it's like B flat, wow. F sharp, B flat. So you're playing so very low. Yeah, very low baritone <laughs> stuff. Yeah. What do you do you play baritone electric as well? Yeah. Wow. That was really that's what, really what, fun. Why did you start playing baritone? So I have Was like it a this, range thing? 
no, it has nothing to do with my voice, which is hilarious. Okay. I have this weird stigma where I hate putting capos on like <laughs> higher than the fourth fret yeah. on a regular guitar. I'm just like, so I'm always trying to figure out like different voicings, I would say, has been like really fun mm -hmm. to learn. Um, So if like I'm playing like a G chord on like a fifth fret, I'm just like bringing it down to C and it'll sound right. way better. <laughs> I used to do this thing when I would get writer's block where I would tune my guitar to a different tuning. Yeah, it And helps. I would force myself to write something in a different way. Yeah. Because you do start to approach, oh, here's the G, C, D, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, okay, those shapes don't work here. And then it's like you're breaking your brain to mm -hmm. force yourself to learn how to do something new. Exactly. And I still do that every now and then. Yeah. And uh, what I'll also like to do is I'll pick a different tuning and then... For example, I forget which John Mayer song it is. It's off of uh, Battle Studies. or Is that what that album's called, Battle Studies? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it's called. I'm, I'm blanking right now. But um, I'll, I won't copy the note for note, but I like to copy the rhythm of a certain riff. Yeah. And then I'll try to write a new riff in the same pat rhythm pattern. And it's just this like creative way to be be different i need to see you uh come up with a riff in the neon syncopation mm -hmm. yeah so <laughs> i i've really tried to do that that's cool to, to break the the mold yeah. of the boring we hear yeah. a lot of the same stuff in nashville it's so much which oh. i think was one reason why i hated song right arounds because i'm yeah. just like <laughs> I'm so like, are you a fan of stapleton at all yeah i love chris stapleton i actually have a song on my album that's like completely inspired by him really mm -hmm. which one uh it's a tennessee whiskey obviously mm -hmm. his song but my song uh, is called a hundred lives okay i remember i walked into the writing room and um okay wait hold on i don't hate songwriter rounds <laughs> <laughs> that is what my brain is thinking of i love telling stories and mm -hmm. i've really learned to love it after just like being comfortable with just my guitar like right. i love being able to tell my story now and just sit down and have that element so mm -hmm. i just want to put that out there i don't hate them anymore <laughs> but you also do love the you would prefer the band where you can i would have prefer running around whole, on stage this is the way the song is supposed to sound yeah well, I can't sit still, so I think I still entertain <laughs> through songwriting, which is hilarious because I'm such a knucklehead. Like, I love running around. You love running around. Yeah. You I mean, that's half of the business is the entertainment. Yeah. You And sometimes it's hard. That's why I quit playing the piano was because yeah. I was like, I want to get up and I want to do something Phil with my Bassard body. Phil does a really good job at still entertaining and sitting with yeah. the piano. I hated sitting down and <laughs> I do rounds every now and then now, but... Yeah, it does feel different when you're forced to. Yeah. This is this this chair mm -hmm. is all I got right now. Yeah. And you're like, okay, man, I better yeah. sing this melody right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Yeah. Chris Stapleton. So I <laughs> had this song called "A Hundred Lives" that I wrote with Chris Sly and Mary Cutter, mm -hmm. and I walked into the room after having ninety percent of my album already done, and she was like, "What are you missing?" And I was like. Honestly, like a six eight Chris Stapleton vocal moment um, inspired song, and they're like, "Let's like basically write your own version of Tennessee Whiskey." And I was like, "Okay, awesome." And so when when we were in the studio, I really wanted a song that was kind of like Chris Staple can just sit there and he can just like rip on a guitar, kind of like John Mayer, where it kind of mm -hmm. just like comes down. It's like a double solo, and then it just like he just sits there doing some bluesy stuff. Um, so that is one thing that I felt like my show was missing too. And so we wrote the song called Hundred Lives. It's got like a double solo, and it, the band comes down, and it's like a lot of like sexy riffs, you know. And so, so you're writing songs 
specifically for how you want your show to play out that's cool yes and no so yes because like i really love like being like we need different elements and Mm -hmm. stuff like that and i'm such a visual human that i'm like this is how i feel like it would sit in the set and this is how i feel like um it would look and how it would sound like when we're live um but then there's some times where i'm just like i just want to sit here and just like write this song because like even if it's super weird like i just want to do it right so So i go through moments for sure obviously you're the artist you like you love that spotlight on me feeling um do you like to share that as in like with as my... in if somebody else in the band wants to do the solo or you're like oh, yeah me no 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 absolutely no <laughs> there's like my guitar player and i definitely we t- we go back and forth with people cool. playing solos like there'll be times like i play acoustic for like 30 minutes of the set okay. um and he'll just do all the solos so uh you're getting ready to go on a tour and yeah. i want to talk all about life on the road but let's talk about that right after we take a quick commercial break right here on the (laughs) nashville tour stop podcast And we're back with the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. Maggie Boss sitting in the house. Casa de Phyllis with us today. You're drinking out of the Central Perk coffee mug. Did you ever watch Friends? If I say no, you like disown me. (laughs) (laughs) So we were just uh, having a chit chat off mic about... Yeah, we were chatting off the 30 minute chat we just chatted about chatting. Yeah, we just... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Great. And that's the end of this week's episode. See you next week. (laughs) But we were talking about... uh, touring and instruments and everything and i didn't know this about you but you have done uh backup playing for people you have the entire artist identity but you also enjoy just being the musician when did you decide that you wanted to focus on artistry as opposed to just the musicianship so to speak i'm trying to think because i don't really think i've ever really established like hey this is that's not true. I've been a musician my entire mm-hmm. life. So there's always that side of me that loves jamming and loves being able to be a part of something else and just right. loves making music. I think that one thing that like, like branding is very important. And I've had a lot of people ask me, they're like, yeah, would you come on tour with us? And I'm like, my musician side says, hell yeah, I'll get in a bus with you and just mm-hmm. like come party and make music. But another piece of it is like, but then I'm like giving up the time to be able to focus on me as an artist. Right. So I don't really think there was like any very specific time where I just made the switch. I think it was more important for me to just like stay true to myself. To the artistry. Yeah, because I always know like I don't have a backup plan. Like mm-hmm. it is music, ride or die, like being an artist, that's it. But I also know that like they're people always say if you have a backup plan, plan A won't work. But as a backup plan for me, it's like I can be a utility player. I can be a musician on the road. Like I have that piece of it. I just think that like I never really wanted to tap into it because then I'm like, well, plan A won't work. If you you give time to the backup plan, then the backup plan may invariably be coming the plan. Yeah. And I don't want that to be the plan. (laughs) And also I think my personality too, this is going to sound so bitchy. I'm sorry. Is this like explicit? This is going to sound so cocky. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Like explicit. Anyway, sorry. I said, oh my gosh. Anyway, speaking of cursing, I said ass on WSM the other day. Oh my God. Did you really? (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. How did that come up? I think I said something about bad ass or like bad or something. I said, did the host just give you those eyes? I was like, am I allowed to say ass on the air? (laughs) He just like all laughed at me. I'm like, I'm never getting invited back. Opry and everything about the Opry is so, I don't want to make it sound like derogatory, but it's so proper. Mm-hmm. It's so. It's like church. It's actually exactly. It is. It's church. like church, and it's like, what would you say in front of your grandma? Would you say that in front of your grandma? And most of us would be like, 
Probably not. Probably not. not. <laughs> probably not. So, but it's more of like badass. Like that's a term. Like I don't really consider that like cursing. Anyway. Yeah, Sorry. saying badass. <laughs> I don't mean to sound like that's bench. not quite as bad as being like, no, that dude was such an ass. <laughs> yeah, that's different. That's like cursing. Yeah, that's like bad. badass is like I think it's a term. Like you know. Anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> woo, squirrel. So what were uh, you actually doing on WSM? Uh, so I went there. Bill Cody has been a really long-term friend of mm-hmm. mine, and he's amazing. I love him. I uh, was, I go there every other single release, and I go and I just like have like cool. a little chat. I just go on air and we chat about things. We catch up, and they end up playing my song. Um, on there. Did you did you do it acoustic? Yeah, I did. That's so I performed a few cool. songs acoustically. Yeah. So are you uh, going to be doing any radio stuff on your tour that you're getting ready to go on? Maybe it depends. So like I know there is one station WGGC in Bowling Green that I'm going to go the day before the show okay. to go up there um, and hang out. Um, but maybe we'll see. It's more of just like I've reached out some. Do folks, you have a team that's helping you schedule or manage any of it? So I booked this entire tour myself. Mm-hmm. So no. <laughs> that's I mean. More power to you. How many dates are going to be on your tour that you're getting ready for? Ten. Ten dates. It's eight record stores and ten shows. So how many tours have you gone on in the past? Or is this the first, like, I don't want to call it grown-up tour, but the first, like, legitimate back-to-back-to-back-to-back tour? No. So this actually is not my first time doing this. So this tour is every weekend Mm -hmm. versus last year I went on a tour with Home Free that was three weeks straight. So I was three weeks gone on the West Coast. Like I didn't come home in between versus this. Like I've done these before, like even all through September, I've been on tour, but it's only been during the weekends Mm -hmm. versus last year when I was on the road with Home Free, it was three weeks. And are all of these uh, dates that you're getting ready to leave for, are they all full band, full rock and roll shows, full country rock shows? No, so they're actually acoustic dates. So my album is getting printed to vinyl and I thought it'd be really, really fun to kind of do the old school rock and roll thing, selling vinyl out of a trunk and go to a bunch of record shops, play pop up acoustic di- shows Sweet. and sell vinyl and chat with people and kind of just like do the do the old school thing. That's and see, that's one of the things I love about what's like a renaissance of the industry right now is everyone wants we're kind of getting tired of the social media aspect. Yeah. Like, here's my new single. Pre-save. Thank you. Use it in your reel. <laughs> And that there's something so much more validating, if that's the right word, about going to Bowling Green, for example, playing the show in the record shop and having people hear it Mm -hmm. be like, that was a great song. I want to buy a record. You get to have that personal connection exactly that's lost on the internet that's why i really love being on the road so much like i'm mm-hmm. such a people person like i love humans um so i think that's one thing just like being on the road and also like i knew when i got off tour i was like i'm not gonna have anything else so i was like let's just book another one and see what happens <laughs> and it's not the point where it's like all festivals like i think that's one thing that people need to realize where it's like and me too i think this is gonna be like a really like good experience for my soul and kind of not falling back in love with music but court but just falling back in love with just like an acoustic guitar and just sitting there and playing music for music not like oh my god we just sold this theater out Mm. like hell yeah like you know like which i'm so grateful for but i think it's more of the like like i'm going playing free shows by myself and i'm gonna spend hours and hours driving just to like play to maybe two or three people um and but i'm playing music and i'm playing to people who like genuinely like listen and love music and i think it's it's really fun because at the end of the day that's like literally what it's about and of course selling tickets is important but i think it's just doing that grassroots thing where it's like you got to start from zero grassroots is definitely the method i've taken with tour stop and um i did an interview earlier today uh, and they were asking about like what 
what has been like the growth of the company and how have you seen the shows change over mm-hmm. the years? And I was like, well, we've never had like big, flashy, yeah, s- superstar artists come and play. But it's just been one person at a time who's like, I like this thing. Yeah. I like being part of this thing. And it's just one fan at a time. Mm-hmm. And have you ever read Ari Herstan's book called How to Make It in the New Music Business? No, but if you so have a copy, I would love to borrow it. At this point, I think it's like, a Belmont textbook now oh, because wow. it's been it's become such a popular book. But uh, there's this theory he presented in his book when it came out years ago called the thousand fan theory. Mm. And it's along the lines. I don't want to butcher it, but it's like if you can have a thousand yeah. diehard fans who are willing to give you a hundred bucks Mm-hmm. a year then you'll start making a very that's is that the math it's a, a lot a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> yeah it's like that turns into a really real yeah. salary and making a thousand fans is it sounds daunting yeah but so did playing big shows somewhere else yeah, yeah for you sure you can do it one person at a time and yeah. it doesn't have to skyrocket to success overnight yeah and i think that's really important and i've always had the the grassroots mm-hmm. fan base mentality i think the first time that i've ever really truly seen it work for it was actually a few weeks ago really yeah so i played a show in lebanon virginia and if you've ever been it's like so small <laughs> like population mm-hmm. like i don't even know like a thousand <laughs> anyways so little but they were doing a grand opening of a theater after mm-hmm. like a decade of it not having music and i was the first band to come in and headline um and it was my very first ticketed theater headlining show outside of nashville um i've always done opening slots at theaters, um, like home freeze tour. That was all theaters. Um, so I've done that, but it was my very first headlining myself. And I remember I've had people like commenting on my page, like, Oh my gosh, I saw you two and a half years ago at this like little festival street festival. I'm so excited to see you. And I was like, I don't even remember playing that festival. Right. I was like, it was like a little acoustic thing, maybe 50 people, but I came back and I, and I was, I basically sold it out. Like it was 153 tickets out of like 170 or something like that. That's incredible. So I I sold it out. But the reason I wanted to bring that up is because like everyone who came, who met me in the meet and greet line after were like, I saw you two and a half years ago, like playing your little acoustic guitar, like at this festival. And I was like, oh my God. Validating about growth as an artist. I don't know what is. You got to start from somewhere. And it honestly just meant a lot that people still remembered Mm -hmm. me because I don't even remember that festival. (laughs) So what are some of the struggles you found with, the the industry if if you if you even have as yeah. far as like the the balance between having the artist career and having to be the social media personality <laughs> and the booking agent and the manager is there yeah. is there any problem between trying to find the balance between all of those versus just i am the product i'm selling and i have to be on stage do you have to wake up really early to make it happen? Oh my God. I'm constantly like on my phone and checking emails and sending emails (laughs) like all the time. Um, I'm trying to think like, there's really no right answer. I mean like, yes, there's always like a struggle with balancing everything, Mm -hmm. but I think it's like balancing life in general is freaking hard. (laughs) (laughs) Like how do we balance like sleep? Like, you know, Um, but I think it's just like really just remembering like what the end goal is. And I think like I'm really going through that now where it's like, okay, I just spent this whole like creativeness of myself to put out 14 songs 
things. I was like, now it's time to switch mm-hmm. to business brain, you know? But then there's like this little voice in your head where it's like, okay, but everyone's going to be asking about album two and it hasn't even been out for a week. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think it's honestly just like a constant balance and I'm trying really hard to learn how to balance it all. Um, but I think it's just like, if you love what you do, like I'm such a go-getter and I just love making stuff happen. I'm just so like, I get bored by myself at the house, just like <laughs> waiting for crap I mean, to like make shit happen. really solid memory that I have of you because I remember when you uh, were, let's see, you were like 19 when you moved to Nashville. Mm -hmm. You were always doing something. (laughs) I remember seeing your Instagram and I was like, does she ever not play? And (laughs) it was like, it's inspiring, honestly, because we're all, everyone who moves to Nashville feels like I need to do more. And then every now and then I'd see your stuff and be like, oh, maybe I do need to do more. (laughs) That's really funny because I constantly think I'm not doing enough. (laughs) Um, it's it's so hard being the person who yeah. does everything too yeah. because Amen. tour stop has tons of shows now yeah. and people I know some of my friends have commented on it. it's like how do you manage booking that many shows and yeah. being out and it's like you do eventually just rise to the the standard of whatever it becomes it's yeah. just like this is just how I am now this is how it is and yeah this is that's exactly this is how it is yeah and if but it, I would be so upset if nothing was going on and so I yeah. think that like at the end of the day it's like did I try to make everything I possibly could happen or did I wait for something to come mm-hmm. to me and sit around being like sad you know like I constantly <laughs> think about that all the time I'm like at the end of the day like did I try my hardest to make something mm-hmm. happen today So do you have any hobbies outside of the industry that you like to partake in? Because I know for myself, music turned into a career very quickly and I don't get the same. I still do get joy out of playing the guitar and listening to records, but it's different now. Do you you have any uh, things that you like to do that are completely removed from the music industry? I'm trying to think. I mean, I love traveling and I think like being on tour, that kind of that kind of coincides with one another right yeah it does so i love love touring but i love traveling so i think one thing like for a hobby for example i would say like yeah i really try to make sure that i'm doing something that isn't music when Mm -hmm. we're out so maybe like that's just going to like a local bar like a coffee shop or like exploring the city so i would say that like that scratches the fine line between a hobby and work um i don't know i'm kind of a nerd i love reading but i haven't read a book in a minute (laughs) (laughs) what kind of books do you enjoy uh like like (laughs) <laughs> like this is so lame because i'm 23 i should like not but i love just like young adult books really yeah like neil shusterman is like a great author i love him he's like his uh scythe book series it's like a it was a trilogy series but okay. i think he just came out with the fourth book but just like completely just like not even this world it's kind of like songwriting like i think it's so cool that an author can come up with a character and a whole plot totally and a whole alternate universe about things that aren't even happening in like our world and just like make it come to life. I've always thought about that and comparing it to songwriting is a good, good metaphor for it. But like I have thought so long and hard, like it'd be fun to write a book and then you sit down and then this that, is a lot harder than I thought. that cliche <laughs> moment of the author in front of the typewriter with the blank page. You're like, yeah. Oh, it's Where does tough. that come from? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's so funny because I feel like a lot of the things like I want to do that are hobbies. I feel like it, it stinks to say, but I just feel like I don't have time. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like somebody that goes 110% in that if I'm reading a book, I will not put it down until it's done. <laughs> and I will not do anything else. You're like the healthy version of binging Netflix. Oh my God. Like same as binging. I, I don't even... I don't even have Wi-Fi at my house. Like, I'm not even joking. <laughs> like, I don't have Wi-Fi and I don't have cable. And it's so funny because if I need to work, like, I'll either use my hotspot or I'll, like, go to a coffee shop. But I've been obsessed with, like, um, I just finished it, actually. Like, if mm-hmm. I get obsessed with a Netflix show, I will binge watch it every single night. 
Oh, like, I'm I'm going through that right now with Bob's Burgers. <laughs> Just like all of a sudden, I'm like this is my life now. Yeah, but it's honestly really nice at the end of the day to kind of like unwind and like have something else, to like take your brain off th- off things. I've always wanted to start a podcast. You really? Yeah. I mean, you'd I be great at it. You're- Talking. You're interesting and fun <laughs> and you've got the personality for it. Thanks. But I just know that I'd go 110% into it and people are going to be like, Maggie, did you just like fall off the face of the planet? Like, what are you doing? I'm like starting a podcast. Every like, now why? and then I've, <laughs> met, I've met people who are like, oh, I'd want to start a podcast. And you give them that same face. You're like, mm, maybe yeah. not. But it's funny because like I have, maybe I should like probably not tell you because I don't want this on air. I don't want somebody stealing my idea. Um, but it would be, it'd be called just besides the music or cool. just not just the music and it basically be like a lot of people have told me they're like maggie like how how do you learn these things like how do you decide what to do as an artist and i'm like no one's taught me and i think it's really important for independent artists especially females to like have something like a guide or like some sort of advice on what to do like how do you know to like start a pre-save link like how do you know you're supposed to like upload your music within three Mm -hmm. weeks to spotify how do you know like all these things how do you know like how to brand yourself or like what to post and what not to post like i've had to learn it the hard way and the reason why i'd be called just besides the music is because there's so much more that goes into being an artist besides the music totally and i really really want people to know that and i've actually had independent artists like reach out to me asking me for advice and so really yeah i've always wanted to do it i just don't know if i'd ever have time no one better steal my idea. I will come after you. This is like poor man's copyright right here. Um, but I've always wanted to do it. So I don't know. So it, that, That's a great, great topic to let's just get into it uh, briefly. <laughs> then this is a soft um, launch. If for I somebody who might want to move to Nashville and give uh, being a songwriter or an artist a go. Uh, let's just say somebody's never played a show in Nashville. What would you advise somebody to do to just get started? Well, it's funny because I actually had an old friend from from home who like moved to Nashville who like actually asked me this question. Mm -hmm. I guess I would say just like go to like all these like little songwriter rounds. I think that is the best way to like meet people going to the songwriter rounds and not being afraid. Just be like, hey, find the person who's doing it just like you and just be like, hey, I would really, really love to play. Like, what do I have to do to be involved? And and don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Like, I'm so, so grateful. Like when I when I cold emailed Spotify, I straight up was like, I am doing this on my own. I'm an independent artist my first release doing it on my own like I'm all ears any advice you have like I just wanted to let you know this is this is who I am Mm -hmm. and don't be afraid to be vulnerable because I mean that year that song that I did it with was the number one song on Fresh Finds Country that's incredible at the end of the at the end of the term like at the end of the year it was the number one song and I was like if I never just was vulnerable and was like because people in this town are so so sweet. I mean, there are some people in this town who are not, but there are a lot of people in this town <laughs> who are so sweet that are just like, like if you're vulnerable, you're like, I just moved here. I don't know how to get my feet wet. Mm-hmm. I heard coming to this song right around and meeting people is important. Like, what do you suggest I do to play? And then nine times out of town, they'll be like, Hey, just shoot me an email, cool. shoot me some music, shoot me your Instagram. Like, and I'd love to have you play. That's the exact advice I offer to people as well, because being in my position, booking shows, yeah, I meet tons of I just moved to Nashville. Yeah. And I got an email from a girl who just moved to Nashville last week Mm -hmm. and she was asking to play. And I was like, sure, but uh, come hang out. Like meet someone. Yeah, exactly. Meet me, meet my friends. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've, I'll parlay that into saying it's like, go to the places you're thinking about asking to play. Cause what if you hate it there? Yeah. Don't. What if you don't like the sound? <laughs> yeah. Don't do a fire sale. I'll play anywhere, anytime. Mm-hmm. Like you shouldn't want to do that. No. Because not all venues are created for all songwriters. Yeah. Like I all agree artists. For all humans. Yeah. And and it's also like being an artist too. Like on the analytical side of things. I think if I started this podcast, I'd really want to kind of 
like there's so much that goes into it number wise that mm-hmm. I don't think people really realize too. Like, and also like just booking shows, like so much of it, you're branding what to do, what not to do. And I mean, I really think that there's like no book. There's nothing that teaches artists like right. young artists on how to do it. And so I'm not saying that I know freaking everything, but like, <laughs> but like, it'd be nice to be like, Hey, learn from my Doing mistakes. DIY is hard. Yeah, it is. Be like, this is how I put my foot in my mouth. Here's what <laughs> not to do. <laughs> I, uh, post every now and then on my personal Facebook, uh, like I call it like I don't know who needs to hear this. I like that. But dot dot dot. Yeah. And then it'll be like I don't know who needs to hear this, but don't send me a wave file to my phone. Yeah. Like, it don't won't work. text me a wave file. Yeah. It's a it's one point five gigs. You're clogging up my phone. Just like things like that that yeah. artists do. Yeah. I get we or I had one guy send me. I won't say the words on the air. Uh, he sent me a bunch of choice words requesting a show. And he called me a bunch of weird things. And I was like, I, don't I think that's really how to get your name out. Oh, there. I was honestly like, is he joking? I don't know. Yeah. But that's those things. It's like, don't do yeah. that. Yeah. Because if I even have to guess, is this guy joking? <laughs> I'm probably not going to email you back. Yeah. Be like, was this a joke? Yeah. Because. There's there should be a resource like that for this is how you write a good booking email. Um, but yeah, there's like something to be said about like writing like a nice email, how to do an EPK, how to do a one sheet, things like that. Or like people even don't even know like what a one sheet is or like why you should have it and like what the right. importance of it is and getting all your social media coincide, like even just like the coloring of like a website or just like your social media <laughs> or just like having, making sure all your username photos mm-hmm. are like the same. You know what I mean? One it's just like things like that. One of the tips that I offer people and I put it out as an episode of our podcast actually. And it was uh, how to write a good booking email. Yeah. And most of the work we do in our generation is on our cell phone. Yeah. And, uh, I basically outlined a really short email inquiry to ask for a gig because if you can fit all of the relevant mm-hmm. information on one phone screen's length but hyperlink everything here's yeah. my instagram my facebook my tiktok exactly here's my website here are relevant numbers my mm-hmm. monthly spotify whatever but how are you gonna know that unless someone literally physically tells you yeah and then you're like oh my god that's such a good idea and you know? then if you want to put your one sheet in the attachment awesome yeah it's got everything well that's literally how i booked this tour like my vinyl tour i was like this would be awesome how the hell am i going to reach out to vinyl stores and i was like okay how far do i want to go i only want to go within five hours in nashville because i don't want to go any farther so i only went with five hours and i was like okay what are the major cities Mm -hmm. and i looked around i was like vinyl stores in those cities and i got every single one of their emails and i emailed them i was like hey i want to book a vinyl tour i would love to come to your shop i'm going to play for free i'm going to bring my own sound system just for the chance to get my record in your shop i just need a roof i just need a roof and i was like here are all my social media links i'd really love to make it happen and then everyone was like yeah dope but for the amount of people i reached out to i've only got like eight people that responded back yeah i'm grateful as hell for it Mm -hmm. but like the only way i was ever ever gonna do that was like making it happen myself yeah and it's that eight responses that you get that make it worth it i'm so excited and you'll send thousands of emails and people won't respond but it is those eight that you're like all right i've got eight tour dates now yeah and to somebody who's never toured before eight tour dates sounds like a lot yeah <laughs> like you made it yeah i'm Maggie so excited Ball, ladies of- and gentlemen <laughs> well it's one of those things that at the end of the day as an independent artist like you get to be so proud of yourself mm-hmm. for making things happen and i think that is the biggest thing about like being independent is like looking at the bright side of things where it's like we get to make that happen it's not like someone who you're paying just like 
always does that and they're like yeah like i can i can do this right now if you asked it's more of like let's try to see if mm -hmm. it works then i get to say to booking agents i was like yeah like i just booked this whole tour myself like but you get to be proud of yourself too and it's it when when you do get those it's responses so you're like okay i'm doing something right yeah i'm doing something right and then you can either copy and paste that the next time or you can be like, what can I do better? Yeah, exactly. Next it's time. such a learning experience. But it's also, I feel like that little tiny piece of fuel that keeps you going too. Like, because mm -hmm. the second, it's kind of like a drug. You're like, wait, I have eight tour dates. Like eight people responded. What if we have Dang, 16? Awesome. You know, I was like, what's <laughs> next? I was like constantly like keeping it working. So I think that is one thing too, because a lot of people are like, well, as an independent artist, how do you keep going? Like, what's the motivation? I was like, I guess just one thing that worked. Um, and of course my fans, like I love my fans so much so of course like I'm so grateful for them but for like artists who like don't have that yet I think it's just like one good thing that has happened is like oh damn let's how can I do that again <laughs> yeah and that comes back to that grassroots kind of growth because sure okay if you want a tour booking eight tour dates might sound like a really lofty goal it's like yeah. okay book one book one and then okay that one goes well yeah then you can try to book a second but then you could if you play that one show and you can't get a second Go play that one show and then when Again. you can come back, try to book a second. And then you've already got that one place that likes you. Yeah. And you can go back and be like, hey, I'm going to come back through. Yeah. I'll do this again. And more often mm -hmm. than not, they're going to be like, all right. Exactly. Here and you I, go. I literally, and now you have two. Yeah, now you have two. And you have like somebody who knows you and you fans who will like invite their friends back. Um, but I remember having a conversation with my friend who like was trying to book someone for another show and they were just like, like, what do they, how do I get started? And I was like, I think you need to establish like, are you making money or do you want to make fans? Mm -hmm. Because I think that was one thing I had to learn. Um, I'm very grateful for the position I'm at where I've had these tours. So I've been able to kind of be selective. But I think for someone who's just like starting out and even now I'm just like, I'm going on a tour, like eight tour dates for free. So it's like, honestly, you just got to decide like what is worth it for your soul mm -hmm. and for you but like deciding like are you wanting to make money or do you want to make fans and i think that's the biggest thing is like going in it with that mindset pick too. one or the other yeah because like touring is really really hard as an independent artist like to make money first mm -hmm. because why would they pick someone like us when they can pick someone with a number one song on the radio for the same price you know um but at the same time it's like people will always remember that you, that you came and you played for free and that you were there and you just wanted to make fans because then those fans will like bring eight people back next year and the venues will remember it and then 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 they'll be like okay like we'll pay you you know because you also yeah exactly you never know which record store owner is going to get asked to book some local music festival exactly like, do you know any good country acts and you're like Oh, yeah, this girl Maggie Ba was here a couple weeks ago. Call exactly. her. Boom, money. Yeah, literally. And I think that's really important for people who are trying to get started where it's just like get your mindset right and do it. For, you're doing it for the fans. You're not Manageable doing it for the Manageable expectations and yeah. achievable expectations. Yeah, and then also, <laughs> like, I'm being such a brat. And I was like, and just also like look at your social media too. I was like, why are they going to book someone at like $3,000 <laughs> with like 2,000 followers? I literally had this conversation with someone the other day. I was like, I'm not trying to burst your bubble, buddy, but like, not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, it's it's I feel like social media is almost at least in Nashville, if you post a tour poster, it's like I've got eight dates. Yeah. Almost that's for like bragging at your friends or Literally, the, the yeah. industry. It's like, oh, I'm on tour. Yeah. 
And you don't want to say it like braggy, <laughs> but it is a little, I, I, at least I feel it's like, it's a little show off. You're like, I am doing something. Yeah. You're like, I'm doing something. It might not be what you think I should be doing or what you, but I'm doing something. I'm doing, we're doing something. That's another thing too. Like I've had conversations with artists. I was like, even if you're playing, cause I know artists who don't even post about like half the stuff they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, even if it is the smallest pub with no one showing up, I was like, first off, you can fake it till you make it, baby, and make yep. it look like a packed room. But second, I was like, people just want to know that you're doing something and you're working. And I think that's like once I kind of realized that just to post about everything and just to say, like, you might not think this is dope, but like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And I'm do and I'm and I'm doing doing it. You know, like, I was posting about that on on my I don't do know it. who to hear this series on my Facebook the other day, but uh, we are the product that we are trying to sell. Yeah. And songwriters, sometimes they don't want to post about their shows or they don't want to post about whatever. And they're like, I don't want to. I'm like, you have to. You have to. Posting about yourself is advertising. And yeah. you are a product that you're advertising. And you can't sell a product mm-hmm. if customers don't know it's for sale. Yeah, exactly. And people just want to know that you're busy and you're hustling. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like a constant battle because you're just like, well, it's not that cool. Like, I remember I played a three hour gig in Potoski, Michigan with these two awesome girls. And there was like, it was just a bar like mm-hmm. we were literally just background music for three hours and the next weekend i was headlining a festival i was like those are both equally as important because i'm busy on both weekends right do you know what i mean yeah versus somebody looking at my social media if i didn't post about that they think i only had one tour date i was like no i had two just because i didn't think it was like as cool doesn't mean it was cool in a different just way because it's not a sexy gig doesn't mean it's not an important gig exactly because people just want to know that you're working do you know the duo in town called smithfield yeah i love that so i had them on the podcast and they were telling the story about i think they were asked to play at the listening room the old listening room yeah Um, i remember i think it was the day before thanksgiving several god it might be 10 years ago now (laughs) but they agreed to play and they they had this mindset of all shows are important what we're talking about everything can be important and they went and played and five people were there and then there was one girl in the audience who was an intern for the guy who booked the grand old opry Ah! And the intern told her boss, "Yeah, you need to book these two. And they got to perform at the Opry because of that one person. That's amazing. Who, quote, wasn't at an important show. Yeah. Was the important person. It didn't matter if the place had had 200 more people. Mm -hmm. That was the only person that you needed to impress. And you never know who that one person might be. Of course. And I think it's like a constant battle. You know what I mean? Like, I think I like constantly need to remind myself too. But like, we're all human. You know what I mean? And I think it's just really important for you just to like, remember what is the goal? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Managing expectations. What a wonderful conversation. Oh, man. Honestly, I could use my own therapist. Keep coming <laughs> to me, buddy. I was like, we all think about it. As an independent artist, we go through so many waves. And I think it's like, sorry, we're getting real deep. Um, but it's like, <laughs> it's like deciding like, you know what? Like I'm, I'm constantly, I'm having this battle now where it's like, I'm constantly trying to do more and more and more and yeah. more, but I'm also trying to manage my own expectations and me as a human. But also it's like, you know what? You're doing the best that you can. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that's just like really important. And people too. respond to the, you, they see you putting in the effort and then it might inspire them to put in the effort as well. Yeah. Just do it and put in the effort. I was like, what do you got to lose? Well, could you please give us your plugs? Tell our listeners where they can hear the new record where they can find you on tour i was like you're shutting me up already we could talk for two more hours <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to have you back done, because i know we could talk gear I'm we sorry. could talk touring we could talk a million things <laughs> here's the hook but we do want to get people to stream your music yes, for that whatever it is fraction of a penny yeah 
Or you could buy my CDs and buy my vinyls. Actually, then don't stream all... it on Spotify. Buy the vinyl on They'll her website. All the money. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Go stream. Buy the vinyl on tour. Where can we find you on tour? Where can we find you online? Um, so you can find me at www.maggiebaugh.com if you're still into websites. Or you could just follow me on all the social medias. I'm everywhere. Not on Tinder, but I'm everywhere else. I will have all of that linked in the episode Ow! description this week. So if you just need that one quick click, we got you covered. Heck yeah. <laughs> I'm literally just thinking about how you're going to edit this because totally. I was like, we talked about a hundred million different things and went on a hundred different <laughs> tangents. I was like, oh, I was like praying for you. <laughs> so I do have one more question I want to ask you about. Yeah. So we've already covered the like quick tips or whatever for the artist, Maggie. Do you have any tips of places in town that you might recommend someone who visits or uh, people who listen who live here might that you'd yeah. like to go to that's oh, not music related. I mean, I do have my two favorite drinking spots. You mm-hmm. probably won't see me there because I'm a grandma, but I ha- do have them. <laughs> <laughs> I love Pearl Diver. I think their espresso martinis are cool, amazing. I'm doing the chef's kiss for the those chef's who can't kiss see me. For, I was like, for I forget the, for the audio. I was like, I literally have makeup <laughs> on, and I was like, there's no camera. I was like, for the audio, chef's kiss. Um, <laughs> and I would say, I actually am not a big Broadway gal. I'm not either. No, but there is this one wine place called 60 Vines okay. that's the third floor. It's a top floor of Fifth and Broadway. Mm-hmm. I stumbled in there um, with my brother, actually, when he came to town, and it's really cool. There's, like, a bunch of different wine selections. You can do wine flights, and you can and also do And it's up on the rooftop, right? Yeah, it's on a rooftop. Yeah, so and you, you got do... a great view of the city. Yes, and it's huge. It's, like, this huge place. It's really awesome. It's not crowded at all. There's so much room. Um, but I would say it wine flights, and you can also do cheese boards. It's really good. So 60 Vines and... Pearl Diver. Yeah. (laughs) Pearl Diver is a good spot over in East Nashville. Yeah. But I always like to get recommendations from people who are on the show because there's, you know, the like top 10 places to go in Nashville. Yeah. And I feel like those are paid ad placements by all of the broad... Kid Rock's Honky Tonk Rock and Roll Steakhouse is not the number one place to go in Nashville. There's so many cool different spots. Like even seafood, it really depends like what you're Mm -hmm. into. Like I love the optimist from seafood. Um, If I'm going to spend money to like go downtown, I want to be like a nice place. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just like, I want to go and be able to explore like the actual cuisine of the world. (laughs) Yeah, like the local is not too far away from where I live here. And I love going there. The music's good. The food's good. And the beer's cheap. Like, I'm a pretty low maintenance dude. Yeah. I don't need much. Yeah. But they have $1 beers during happy hour. And I'm like, that's a steal. Why would I go to Broadway? (laughs) I'm here. Yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah, I just love exploring food. Maybe that's my hobby where I really like trying new restaurants and like going and like figuring out like different spots. I love that. I don't know. I'll let you know. Maggie, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Do you have anything you'd like to leave our listeners with before we close out for the week? Uh, Well, this is a long episode. So if you made it this far, good for you. May the force (laughs) be with you. (laughs) And uh, I don't know, just like if you're an independent artist, just keep on going. And and I'm preaching to the choir here, but uh, just don't get discouraged along the way. You know, life is hard, but it's really, really sweet and it's worth the climb. Insert Miley Cyrus, the climb here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast this week featuring Maggie Baugh, longtime tour stopper. Welcome back. (laughs) We will be back next week with more on the podcast. So in the meantime, please give us a follow, a like, a subscribe. Go follow Maggie on Instagram, TikTok, X. Is that? Don't follow me on there. (laughs) 
<laughs> go follow I'm a her online. I'm a threader. I'm not an exer. I'm a threader. Go find her on tour. We will have her tour linked in the caption for this week's episode. But until next time, please do remember that all roads lead right back here to the Nashville Tour Stop. Stop.